Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Oh, was this was it worship great this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm still kind of like just kind of kind of there, you know. Uh, so thanks, Tim and team, for leading us. Really appreciate that. Uh, in case you don't know, um, or maybe you came in just a moment late, Tim is my good friend from uh, Vineyard Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. Tim and I do a lot of stuff with Vineyard Worship around the country, and I just thought, you know what? Eventually, you just have to bring your friends to Kentucky and, and show them the good life. And so that's what we've been trying to do this weekend. Uh, but here's what I want to do this morning. I want to continue and wrap up our little series that we've been doing for the last three weeks. So this will be message number four. And in this series, what we've been looking at is acquiring the character of Jesus. Uh, One of the things that we want to do here at the Vineyard is we want to end up being people who are actually like Jesus. We want to be like him in the heart so that wherever we go or whatever we do, when we encounter people in the world and when they encounter us, they're acquiring some kind of, some, something that resembles Jesus. Like we want to have character, we want to have integrity, and we want to have goodness. And, and here's the goal for us as disciples here at the Vineyard. We not only want to have those things, but we want to have those things without gritted teeth. How many of you know you can do the right thing, but you can just do it like this? Sometimes you're like, I won't, I won't be nice to you, but I want to kill you. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever been nice with gritted teeth? Here's the thing. It's better to be nice with gritted teeth than kill someone. We, we just recommend you not murder. But we also, recommend, we also recommend that we so enter the way and the life of the Spirit, the way and the life of Jesus, that we could actually be like him, uh, it's to the point that it becomes a reflex rather than a gritted teeth reality. How I many of you know if you train something over and over, it can become a reflex and not just like, like this conscious part of my brain where I'm just like, I don't make myself do this, right? So that's what, I, that's what we're doing in this little series. We're talking about like, how do we acquire the heart and the character of Jesus? How do we grow the fruit of the spirit? How do we come, become people who have like, uh, where our yes is yes and our no is no. It's some of the things we've been talking about. That's what we're really, really after. And um, here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want, to, I want to talk to you out of a little bitty passage from the Gospel of John. Mimi did such a great job of reading the first part of that passage. And I want to read the second part of that passage this morning. And uh, here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about trying and failing. Anybody in here ever failed? Anybody ever failed? Yeah, okay. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, today, the title of today's message is Try and Fail. And, and you can read that title like four different ways. And, and it's actually good. You should read it in all the ways, right? Uh, there's a sense in which the invitation from God, the invitation from Jesus is to be a disciple. Go ahead and try. Like, try and fa- Like, try and if the best you could do is fail, you're going to see the kindness of God in action, right? But there's also a sense in which by the time we get to the end of this message, I think you're gonna see, and by the time we get to the end of this passage, I think you're gonna recognize that even, even if you try and fail, there is someone who will pick you up at the end. 
And this is ultimately the good news of the gospel. And it's the good news of even trying to be somebody who would have integrity, character, and goodness. Even when you try and even when you fail in your weakness, there will be someone who will pick you up. This is the good news. So Seth, can we just do this for a moment? Can we read the scripture from the gospel of John? This is after Mimi's passages, the verses right after. It says this, after breakfast, by the way, have you ever noticed how often in the, in the Gospels Jesus is doing his best work over a meal? Like, like, why is it important for you to have people over to your house to like have dinner and, and just like be friends and talk about God? This is what Jesus does. Like he cooked, he cooked breakfast for his disciples. Uh, it was the last supper where he, where he told them what real love was, right? Like Jesus is always doing stuff around the table. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you, then feed my lambs. And then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And then a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. We'll stop there. Um, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Three times, once for every time that Peter denied him. Y'all remember the story, right? This really, really moving moment. The guy who said, hey, I, I love you till the end and I'll never leave you was the very guy who did leave Jesus and denied him three times. But the end of the story is not Peter's failure. The end of the story is Jesus's return to get him. And this is ultimately the good news. Like, I mean, I don't know if there's anything better in the whole gospel than this, right? But here's what I want to do before we get to some of that. I want to talk to you about discipleship here for a moment. And I want to talk to you about how there's levels to discipleship. There's levels to a lot of things, by the way. Uh, how many of you are aware that there are levels to just about everything in life? It's just like, like you, you get into something and you're like, oh, I think it's this. And then you realize, no, it's like, it's like there's another level to this thing, right? Um, right, now, right now, three of my four kids are playing soccer. Three of my four kids are playing soccer. Um, they're doing well. Maggie now holds the school record for goals as a sophomore. She's killing it. It's my kid. Pretty good. But Rowan plays in the, in the community league. He plays at the CYS league. Rowan's, he's eight, and he plays, uh, he plays community ball, and he plays in, the, in the, the U11 circuit there at CYS. And, and there's just there's levels to soccer, you know? I mean... There's like U11 Rowan League, and then there's Maggie Varsity, and then there's Seth Varsity, and then, and then after that, like you could maybe go and be a soccer player in college, and like my kids get up really early on Saturday mornings, and they watch the Premier League, and how many of you understand there's a difference between the Premier League in England and what Rowan plays on Saturday morning down here <laughs> below WHI? There's levels to this thing. I'll tell you, tell you one more story. Uh, two years ago, it would be River's senior year. No, this is like three years ago. River's, 
junior year, uh, they had a really good team. Rivers junior and senior year, they were like really, really good at Taylor County High School. And Rivers junior year, they had, they had the leading scorer in the state. Uh, the kid who now still holds the record for most goals was on Rivers' team. Kid was an animal, right? I mean, the, the whole team was filled with soccer animals, and then there was one animal who was more of an animal than all the other animals on that team. And wherever, wherever, wherever Taylor County went and wherever this kid was at, like he would go and just dominate people, right? I mean, I, I saw this kid score eight goals, lots of games, right? And he was just a dominant performer on the field. And then one time that same year, he's dominating literally everyone, playing incredible. And, and uh, the team goes to play uh, one of the schools in E-Town. And as dominant as the best player on our team was, there was a kid on the E-Town school who is to this day the best soccer player I've ever seen in high school. Like, like I, he, he was a gazelle on the field. Like, I, it was unbelievable. Everything was, everything was effortless. Am I right, River? Can you confirm? Effortless. He, there was a moment where our best player is going max effort, and this other kid comes over, and he's like, it's like he's not even running. It's like he's, he's slow motion moving. He just takes the ball and just, like, it was unbelievable. And in that moment, you realize, oh, there's levels to this thing. There's, like, you can be the leading scorer in the state, and there can be another kid who's just operating at this African gazelle level, right? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And that, now that kid plays at, at UK and, and is, I think, going to play like pro ball, right? Like unbelievable. There's levels to this thing. Um, I, I remember also um, this past spring, I'll tell you another little story. Uh, there, was a, there was a mountain bike race down here at the, uh, the local trails at Green River Lake. There was a mountain bike race. And there was like a bunch of people came to race. And, I, and somehow Josh Patton, who put on the race, somehow he hoodwinked me into racing. <laughs> racing. So I preached that morning and then I, didn't, I barely even prayed after the sermon. I just ran out of here. People were like, I need prayer. I'm like, find someone else. I'm racing, you know. <laughs> God be with you. So I'm racing. So... And so I signed up for the beginner old man category. So it was like, it was, it was beginner. There's three categories in mountain bike racing. There's beginner, intermediate, and expert. And, and then there's all the age categories in there. And the expert category is really not any age categories because it's just like you're an expert. But in the beginning, there's like, ex, there's like age categories. And so I signed up beginner old man. So it was like beginner 39 plus, right? And so I raced in that, and it's, it's, it's one lap on our trails down here, and it's like seven and a half miles, and I, I, I went for it. I, I was actually holding back a little bit because I was like, you know, I want to have something for the end of the, I want to have a kick at the end. And so I held, my, I held something for the kick at the end, and in the end, I got fifth place. I felt pretty good about it. I was like, you know what? You know, the guys who beat me, they were younger, and I, I, I felt good about it. And then, and then at the end of the race, at the end of the race, I went and looked at the times the next day. And the guy who won the expert category was in his mid-50s. Like, he, he wasn't even racing in my category, right? So I got fifth in my category in the, in the beginners, and then there's this guy in the expert, and he's like in his mid-50s, and he didn't just beat people, he beat them with a club, you know? I mean, he dominated... He, 
this guy's in his mid 50s. He's dominating dudes in their mid 20s who go to college to race mountain bikes. He just dominated them. And then there's this app for like running and cycling called Strava. Some of you know it. So I got on Strava and I followed him. His name is Brian Schwarman. Shout out to Brian. I'm sure you're not listening to this. I followed him. Uh, Brian rides his bike like, like 15,000 like 15, miles a year. Like, who is this man? Right? There's, there's like levels, levels to this thing. Levels to this thing. And, and all of that brings me back to Bobby Flay. <laughs> People keep trying to beat this guy. The kids and I watched him again. The kids and I watched him again, like, like last week. They keep trying to beat Bobby Flay. Guess who beats Bobby Flay? Nobody beats Bobby Flay. Like you can be a Michelin star Chef, you can spend your first 20 years of learning in France and your next 20 years in Italy. You can work at the French Laundry in California. And when you come to New York to beat Bobby Flay, you're going home beat. There's just, there's like levels to this. And and here's the reason I'm telling you about this. Because it's the same thing in discipleship. It's a journey. It's a journey. In order to be Jesus' disciple, you got to respond to his call and then you get a vision and you do what Jesus says, and you grow. And when you grow, you'll even see, you'll see incredible things. You'll just, you'll see incredible things. And it gives your faith a boost. Like when you see things change, don't you feel better when you see things change? When you're like, oh, I put, I gave something of myself. I put in some effort, or I, I followed, I obeyed, I did the thing. And then, and then as a result of that, oh, I'm changing. I'm not the same person I used to be. And, and then you grow some, and then maybe you grow some more. And then you think you have this thing dialed, and then just about the time you think you have it dialed, guess what happens? You fail, sometimes spectacularly, absolutely spectacularly. Or, or maybe this, or maybe you get out in the wild country of life, and you realize that for all your growth, there's still some significant holes in your discipleship. You know, How many of you have ever done something like this? Like you follow Jesus, and you feel him changing you, in like certain areas of your life and you go out and you live and you're like, you're like, oh, this is great. And you're beginning to follow and trust Jesus more only to fail perhaps spectacularly and realize there are whole sections of my life that have not yet been touched by the Lordship and the reign of Jesus. You're like, wow, I thought I was put together and I've got this whole section over here where he's hardly had any influence yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Failure. I'm going to talk to you about pressure for a minute. Uh, pressure does weird stuff to us. Have you ever noticed that? How many of you have ever noticed this? That it's easy to do good when there's no pressure. Hey, can I tell you something? Y'all, listen, when I'm in the gym alone, I shoot threes like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> when it's just me and the ball, I am so good. In the game, I'm terrible, right? Yeah, how many of you have ever noticed? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's easy to, it's easy to put the three in when the stakes are low, but when there's somebody else in your face, it's more difficult. I'm way below average in the game. And one of the things that this passage shows us this morning is where Jesus comes to Peter. And this is the same Peter who said to Jesus, I'll die for you. Like days before, they're hanging out. And Peter says to Jesus, listen, everybody else will leave you. Not me. I'm going to die for you. Now, how many of you know that was like a low pressure moment right there? That's like... That's like being Steph Curry in the gym alone, right? Jesus, I will die for you. 
And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, you realize I'm, I'm not Steph Curry and KD is real and he doesn't play on my team anymore. He's on the nets. The sports people are like, yes. And the non-sports people are like, who's KD? Who are the nets? I don't have anything else, guys. I don't know. This is, this is the Peter who in the quiet room of the last, of the last supper was so bold and sure. This is the Peter who earlier in the Gospels declared who Jesus was. Seth, can we put up Matthew chapter 16, verse 16? Jesus asked the disciples, hey guys, who do you say I am? Here's what Peter says. You are the, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. How many of you know that's the correct answer? Bingo, yes. Like you, you can get it right. You can get it right. You can get it right over and over. And maybe in a low pressure moment, everything's awesome. But as the pressure comes up, things change. The, the Peter who in one moment was doing so well was also the same man who later would fail spectacularly. Uh, also, the thing I love about this is Peter fails not only spectacularly, but he fails doing the very thing he said he would not do. Yeah. Like, like pressure reveals. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Like pressure reveals who we really, really are. You know, when there's, when there's no anxiety, it's easy to be a nice person, right? But then let's say you have like four assignments due and your house is a wreck and somebody's coming over for dinner and, and you got a late notice on one of your bills and then all of a sudden like, where's my Christian character, you know? like things begin to ratchet up or you get an unexpected bill from the IRS or you get an unexpected diagnosis from the doctor or one of your kids goes nuts or maybe your partner goes crazy and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the, the pressure of life begins to ratchet up and it, and it, and it, has, a, it has an effect on us. Um, how many of you know that when, when you're building a house and the plumber puts all the pipes in the house, the last thing they do is a pressure check, right? Why? Because when, when the walls are open and there's, and there's no drywall anywhere, if there's a leak, we need to know about it right now, right? And what they'll do is they'll, put, they'll pressurize the lines and, and the pressure actually shows if there's any leaks and if there are any leaks, we can find it and then we can fix it. Pressure reveals where we leak. Pressure reveals where we leak. Uh, this, is, this is one of the reasons why we have to practice the Jesus way of life when there is no pressure. You know, like, this is why we want to, this is why, like, t this afternoon and tomorrow, uh, we need to just, like, do the, the things that Jesus says to do, especially if there's no pressure. Like, practice getting your form down when there's no pressure. Like, become, become the Steph Curry of no pressure, right? And then, and then, if LeBron James shows up, you at least have a shot. I, I listen. I have nothing else, guys. I only, I, I, I have nothing else. I have like I watch soccer and I watch the NBA. I, I have nothing else. And Bobby Flay. Literally, that's all I have time for. Um, here's what I want to tell you, and this is something that most pastors won't tell you, but I'm just I, I want to tell you. At some point, everybody in in the room is going to straight up fail. Uh, at some point, everybody hits the floor. At some point, at some point, there'll be a moment in our lives, uh, probably several, 
where we have less character, less integrity, and less goodness than we needed in the moment. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll end up losing our cool with somebody, you know, somebody we should have been kind to, coworker. Maybe you have a bad day. Or, or maybe, maybe we'll get trapped in a cycle of poor decisions. It could be garden variety and small, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get trapped in just like one poor decision after another. It could just be something like, like overspending, you know? Like I feel sad, so I just want to buy something. And then I'm like, I, I still feel sad, so I, I'm, I'm going to order something from Amazon because there's a little buzz that comes from buying. Have you noticed that there's a buzz that comes from buying stuff? You're like, I'm a little sad, so I'm going to buy something else. And then you're just like in, a, you're like in a trap, you know? It could be just so small. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of little small moments add up to like $35,000 on a credit card. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore, right? And then that pressure makes you a much, much different person to like your spouse and your kids. And then all of a sudden, you're like angry with your partner. And they're like, I didn't do anything. But you're like, I'm sad, and I've been spending, and I've got a $35,000 $35,000 credit card, and you don't even know about it. But this happens, by the way, right? Like maybe we just get trapped. I've been trapped, uh, and then maybe it's not garden variety and small. Maybe it's something nuclear. You know what? Some of us in the room, some of us in the room have had spectacular nuclear failures. Like we, we set out to follow Jesus. We set out to do all the right things, and we didn't just get a little bit mad at a coworker or accidentally run up a credit card. Maybe like we just like flat out like left the spouse of our youth, like made all of our promises about being faithful and we were just like in a moment like of blazing, crazy, like just losing it. We end up, we end up cheating on our spouse or, 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 or maybe we just get tired of being a disciple. Or maybe we tried developing the character of Christ and then we end up in the abyss of sin, denial and disappointment. You know, uh, maybe, maybe we try the character of Christ for a while and then, and then we read a couple articles on the internet because some church somewhere was bad and we just think, this is stupid. And so I'm just going to go do something else. And we just like leave Jesus and, and like it just becomes nuclear. You know, you, you, re you read one book because somebody was behaving badly somewhere and you think, well, everything's wrong. You know, by the way, th these are the things that we all deal with. And then we end up in the abyss of sin, denial and disappointment. Yeah, here's the problem with hitting the floor and failing. It hits us really hard. You know, when we set out to be like Jesus and then fall short, or maybe fall really short, it can have lasting effects. Like failure can cripple people. One of the things that I've noticed uh, throughout my time as being a pastor are, are the, 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 the resonant harmonics that just remain from failure. It, it can go with people for years. Like shame can get on a person from a failure and it just, it just goes with them for years. Uh, like I know someone who's, whose business failed and, and, and they felt like a failure for years. Like, it's like, dude, it was a business. It's not you, right? But it just, it fe and it, we're not even talking about a sin. We're just talking about like business, like, you know? And you just, you just get, it gets all over you. Sometimes, sometimes failure can have lasting effects. Uh, another mountain bike story. I've got Bobby Flay, NBA, soccer and mountain bike. That's all I got, guys. Like five years ago, five years ago, I went on a little mountain bike ride down at the lake and I'm, I'm by myself and I'm just like, I'm having the best time. I'm just... And, 
And in a place that was not dangerous at all, I take one more pedal. And when I do, I clip my pedal on a route that I didn't see and I went straight over the handlebars, right? And, and, I, and you do the thing that you're, like, you're designed to do when you go over the handlebars. You put your arms out, right? Because your body is saying like, don't crash your face. You don't, you don't, even, you don't even think it. It's, it's like the amygdala. Is that it? I don't know. It's the most primitive part of your brain. It's your monkey brain. It kicks in. It says, put your arms out. And when I did, I landed right on my arms and I really landed on my left wrist. And it hurt. I mean, I got up and I'm like, what just happened to my wrist? Ah. And I was also looking around going, did anybody see this? <laughs> you know? Am I going to be on somebody's YouTube? Yeah. There's a whole YouTube channel for mountain biking called Friday Fails. It's just dudes hitting trees at 30 miles an hour. It's hard to watch. It's kind of fun. I don't know why. Anyway, so I landed on my wrist. I got up. Oh, I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm too old for this. I get back to the truck. It's really hurting. I got up the next day. My wrist hurt. I got up the day after that. My wrist hurt. I got up the day after that. My wrist hurt. My sister-in-law's a doctor. My father-in-law's a doctor. I'm like, hey guys, my wrist is hurt. <laughs> and they look at it and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. We can, like, there's nothing major wrong with you. Guys, my wrist hurt for six and a half months, right? Not, not like, not like uh, you can't move it, but you know like dull pain? Just like if you get quiet, you're like, oh man, what is going on with my wrist? I, it was crazy. Took me over six months to get over this thing. Listen, that's failure right? Like sometimes there's lasting harmonic pain that comes from failure and it just stays with us. Some of us in the room have like hit the wall in our discipleship. Some of us in the room like made great promises to Jesus only to like fail in small and spectacular ways. And it's like, it's like you crashed and your wrist is hurt. And it's been that way for, for months, maybe, maybe even years. Mm. Some of us feel disqualified. In this passage that Mimi read this morning, did you notice that after Peter denies Jesus, what does he do? Goes back to fishing. What, what is that? I mean, it's one, it's one of two things. Uh, it, one, it's either Peter's like, I've had a bad day, I'm going to relax on the lake. Or it's Peter saying, this Jesus thing was a bad three and a half year dream. And everything I thought it was, it isn't. And I'm just going back to what I used to do. Right? Hey guys, I don't, I mean, like, I told Jesus one thing, I didn't stick it out. And now he's dead and ain't here. Let's go back fishing. Okay, have I made it bleak enough? Yeah, yeah. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Uh, that in your failure and in your weakness and in the places where you have either small or in nuclear ways left Christ or left your own ethical structure, in the places where you have become less than you wanted to be, in the places where it has not turned out to be the thing you had hoped it to be, in the very places where you look the worst, in the very places where I said one thing and did the exact opposite, 
Jesus comes to get us. This is the good news. This is the good news. Christ pursues us. This is the gospel. Here's what I want you to hear this morning, church. If you fall, and by the way, eventually you will, and if you fall all the way to the bottom, you will meet one person at the bottom, and it's Jesus. Jesus is who you meet at the bottom. He's always the one who comes to us. Christ pursues us more than we could ever pursue him. Uh, Christ pursues us when we stop pursuing him. Christ pursues us when we cannot pursue him. Christ accepts us even in our weakness. In your unloveliness, you are loved. Like, this is the truth. Like, Jesus isn't loving anyone here because they're perfect. Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't fooled by anyone's, like, internal heart structures. He's not fooled by anyone here. Like, a lot of us are fooling other people in this room. Jesus is not fooled. And he knows who we are, and he pursues us. And in your unloveliness, you are loved. Uh, the one who knows you best is also the one who loves you most. Thank you, Ray Hollenbach, for that. It's the actual gospel truth. This is the good news. He will leave the 99 to find the one. And he doesn't just find us, but he goes deep. Did you notice that in this morning's passage that three times, three times Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Right? Like Jesus is putting his finger right in the place where it hurts. He's not just saying, hey, Peter, all that stuff, don't worry, hey, don't mention it. <laughs> right? I, I mean, that's, sometimes that's what I do, right? Ah, don't worry about it. Don't mention it. No, instead, Jesus goes right to the pain, and he puts his finger right in the pain. Jesus goes deep. Jesus wants to go to the bottom of our failures. Three times he asks, one time for each denial. Jesus goes to the core of things. He wants to go past the surface and into the depths. This morning, some of us in here have failed in all kinds of ways. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus accepts you in your unloveliness. You are loved. And he wants to go to the depths of whatever is happening in your life. He doesn't want to just deal in the surface. He wants to go to the depths. Okay, I want to talk about pressure one more time before we wrap up here. Uh, earlier in this message, I told you that pressure reveals. Pressure reveals. Pressure also forms. Pressure doesn't just reveal, it also forms. If we come to Jesus when he comes to us, if we will open our hearts when Jesus comes to us, even in our lowliness and even in our weakness, here's what I want you to know, church. It will change us. If we let Jesus dig all the way down to the bottom, if we let him bring up the thing we do not want to talk about, then he will mend and repair us in ways that we could not imagine, like a pipe that's burst under the pressure. Pressure reveals, but it also forms. Seth, can we put up the passage from Acts chapter 4? I want to read a little bit to you. This is this is the same Peter, okay? Let me give you a little context here. So early in the Gospels, Peter says, Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. Later, Peter says, I'll never leave you. I'll die with you, Jesus. Then Peter denies him three times. Then Jesus comes back to Peter and says, do you love me? Three times. And then Jesus ascends from heaven. The Spirit comes to Peter and all the other disciples. And then Peter gets in trouble. And he's in trouble for healing a lame man on his way to church with John, and they bring him before the, 
the Jewish leaders and the, the synagogue rulers, the very same people who condemned Jesus, and this is what happens. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders, the, probably some of the very same ones who condemned and killed Jesus, uh, and the teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest, family business. Uh, they brought in two disciples, uh, Peter and John, and they demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Meaning, heal this guy. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you know how he was healed? Let me state clearly uh, to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. I love that, that, that Peter is, is declaring who Jesus is and he's using this scripture because earlier he's the Peter who also rejected Jesus, right? See, God doesn't work for us. Pressure reveals, but it also forms. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. We'll stop there. Man, what a testimony, right? Like, Failure? Oh my gosh, everybody in the room is going to fail. The good news is, is Jesus is going to come back to us. If we will open our hearts to, to Jesus in the bottom, it will form us. We can be different people. By the way, resurrection is only for dead people. Resurrection is reserved only for dead people. Read the, we can read that another way. Resurrection is reserved for failures. God is only going to raise up weak things. He's only going to wake, raise up things that looked like failures. He's only going to raise up things that seemingly didn't work. So here's what I want to say this morning as we wrap up. I want to remind you of something that Jack Deere said to this church many, many years ago. He said this, what you can't talk about owns you. What you can't talk about owns you. There's levels to this discipleship thing with Jesus, right? Like we can have some things going in one area only to have holes in other areas. Uh, we, can, we can make progress only to fail in either small ways or spectacular ways. We can be faithful to Jesus only to experience our unfaithfulness in other ways. And here's what I would like to say to us this morning, church. If there's anything in our life this morning that we can't talk about, it owns us. And Jesus wants to put his finger on it. He wants to meet us in the things we can't talk about. He wants to meet us in the shame that resonates from failure. He wants to meet us at the bottom. Anybody in the room who feels disqualified, anyone who had a vision for something different in their life, anyone who was headed one way, but then found out that they were weak and just decided to like, go into business, uh, anybody who thought they were going to do one thing and was like, man, I got to get out of this, anybody who wishes that they'd been 
closer to Jesus, only to reveal that they were pretty weak for Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. He is here to meet you in it. He will leave the 99 to come to you. He will restore you, and the pressure that revealed your weakness with Jesus can also be the pressure that forms you to stand in the very places you failed before. So what do we do today? Here's what we do today. We look for Jesus. And here's what I would like to say to the church. He's here to heal and restore. That's who Jesus is. He's here to, re- to heal and restore. Tim, you around? Tim, where are you at, dog? You're coming, you're coming to the side door. Tim, we just normally come up the steps. I don't know. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, church, why don't we stand this morning? We're, we're going to sing, but before we sing, uh, we're going to pray. Uh, and if you're on the ministry team this morning, will you, will you come on up? We want to pray for people who need to respond to the message this morning. Church, Jesus is healed. He is here to heal and to restore. That's who he is. That's who he is. Uh, This morning, if there are resonances, if there's resonances of guilt or shame, if there's resonances of pain and failure uh, in your life today, today's the day to, to hand that over to Jesus. Today's the day to let go of it, to just do away with it, to, to acknowledge it before him. He's already putting his finger on it. Um, today is the day to respond. So here's what I'd like to do. We don't normally do this, but uh, I just want to do it this way this morning. Uh, is there anybody here, and just in this message, you just know, oh my gosh, it's me. I, I've just, I, I have, I, I, I've just, I found out I have holes in my life. If that's you, can you put your hand up? There's, there's the hands. I've got, oh, there's more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's what I would love to do this morning, if it's okay. Uh, if, you, if you had your hands up and you feel like, oh, there's holes in my life. I, I, I want to be one way, and I just found out after a while I wasn't as much as I wanted to be. Will you just come right up here to this front row? Because we want to we pray for you. I, I felt like the Lord said clearly this morning, He is here to heal and to restore. If you need to have a friend bring you up, grab your friend. Just come, come right up to this little row. Right, Just come right here. We're going to pray with you this morning. Listen, church, if you can't get prayer at church, where are you going to get it? Where is it going to be? Beautiful. Anyone else? Anybody else need to come up here? Hmm. Hey, we probably need a few extra people to pray this morning. I think Marcus and Kelly are going to need some help. If you've been trained in ministry at the vineyard and you're not crazy, can you come up and help us? Yeah, that's always the qualifier. Okay, let's pray, church. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we just love your word. And we thank you for the Bible. God, we thank you for the story of Jesus. And we thank you that it's the story of every person. God, we thank you that what you would do for Peter is what you would do for me. God, what you would do for John is what you would do for me. God, thank you for the way you take broken people and you put them back together. God, thank you for the way you accept deniers. 
God, thank you for the way that you accept promise makers who can't be promise keepers. We just, we just thank you for that, God. We thank you that your team has room for promise breakers on it. Back in the 90s, there was that ministry called Promise Keepers. Should have called it Promise Breakers. Like Jesus, his team is just filled with promise breakers, y'all. And he, he wants to heal and restore. So God, we just, we thank you for that. All right, church. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing one more song. You guys stay right up here. We have some people who want to pray with you guys. And if we can get a couple more people to come and pray, that would be really awesome. And uh, we're going to sing and then we'll, we'll be, we'll be done for lunch in NFL. That's all I have, guys. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.